0: We will hear argument this morning in case 21 1496, Twitter versus Tomna.
1: Mr. Waxman. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. JASTA permits any U.S. national injured by reason of an act of international terrorism to recover treble damages from a person who aids and abets by knowingly providing substantial assistance or who conspires with the person who committed such an act of international terrorism. The foundational points here are not in dispute. First, the conceded and obvious act of international terrorism is the Rena attack, and the complaint includes no allegation that the defendants provided substantial assistance, much less knowing substantial assistance, to that attack or, for that matter, to any other attack. Second, as the complaint concedes, the defendants, quote, had no intent to aid ISIS's terrorist activities. Quite to the contrary, they maintained and regularly enforced policies prohibiting content that promotes terrorist activity. The plaintiff's claim— that because defendants were generally aware that among their billions of users were ISIS adherents who violated their policies and therefore defendants should have done more to enforce those policies, does not constitute aiding and abetting an act of international terrorism under the operative terms of the text, the constitutional principles articulated in Halberstam or any recognized understanding of what it means to abet a criminal act. If Congress had wanted to impose treble damage liability for existing, assisting a terrorist organization, it had a ready model in the material support statute, Section 2339B. If it had wanted to create such liability for supporting international terrorism writ large, it likewise had a model in Section 23311. Instead, It provided a remedy against those who conspire with terrorists or or who knowingly aid and abet acts of terrorism. It did not impose treble damage liability on companies whose services were exploited by terrorists in contravention of the company's enforced anti terrorism policies. I welcome the Court's questions.
2: Uh, Mr. Waxman, it seems that you tie uh, your analysis to uh, knowledge of the Rayna attacks uh, rather than just general knowledge of uh, terrorism.
1: So, we, it's, thank you, Justice Thomas. Let me clarify. We do not contend that there is no liability if these companies didn't know that the Rayna nightclub would be attacked what they had to have known to satisfy the operative language of the statute was that they were, in fact, providing substantial assistance to the act of international terrorism that injured the plaintiff and that they knew that their action would substantially assist an act of international terrorism. The, the flight trainers who, provi- who taught the al-Qaeda terrorists— how to fly planes so they could fly them into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, didn't need to know that those were the targets. But he needed to know that he was, in fact, providing substantial assistance to people who aim to use that knowledge in order to commit a terrorist attack.
2: So the — and I may have misunderstood uh, your brief, but so you would uh, — I assume you would agree that if — uh, I had a friend who was a mugger, a murderer, and a burglar. Hard, to and, but other than that, he was a good guy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I loaned him a gun, but not knowing and not wanting to know what he was going to do with it—that that he that that possibly could be aiding and abetting.
1: So I think it wouldn't be why because it would. It, while it would satisfy steps one and three. Of the Halberstam legal framework that is uh, is meant to be the model for the interpretive model for this statute, you also had to you also have to have a general awareness that you are assisting um, in overall illegal or tortious activity. So, for example, if I have a farm and I'm, I have a gate with my next-door neighbor's pasture, and it's got a padlock, and I, don't, I can't open the padlock. And I go to you, you're my neighbor on the other side, and say, Justice Thomas, I'm trying to open this gate, but I can't get the padlock open. Can I, can, do you have any bolt cutters that could do this? And you say, yes, I do, and in fact, I'll cut the bolt for you. And I then use the open gate to steal my neighbor's sheep you know that you provided substantial assistance to me in entering the property, but you don't have—you're not culpable within the meaning of the common understanding of the word aiding and abetting or under step two of the Halberstam Doctrine because you're not generally aware of your role as part of an overall illegal or tortious But activity.
2: I think you've changed uh, somewhat my— you know, my example. Oh, well,
3: I'm, I I'm, my friend
2: is a burglar, he's a murderer, and he is a mugger. And he says he has some business to conduct, and I loan him a gun. Now, that's quite different from opening the gate, because you can open the gate for quite a number of uh, legal reasons and legitimate reasons. But if I know to, to moral certainty the kind of person my friend is, would I have to be more uh, specific than that in order to be aiding and abetting uh, his criminal conduct?
1: So I think in that instance, you would ask the question under the operative language of the statute, were you — did you knowingly provide substantial assistance? Assume that — assume that he — your friend — then committed a crime with the gun. That would be substantial assistance in the commission of that crime. But whether you, kno- whether you knew you were substantially assisting the crime would involve a determination under the circumstances, whether it was fair as a matter of law to permit an inference that you knew that all your, your friend was otherwise a good guy. He was, in fact, going to use it to commit some crime. Now, even that hypothetical is quite removed from the circumstances of this case because that involved an active provision from one person to another of something that was, in fact, of substantial assistance. What we have here — I'm sorry, can I just finish my sentence? Okay. Okay. What we have here is an alleged failure to do more to ferret out violations of a clear and enforced policy against assisting or allowing any postings supporting terrorist organizations or activities. I'm sorry, Mr. Chief Justice.
0: Um, you gave a variety of considerations to take into account um, uh, in response to Justice Thomas's hypothetical. But it seems to me that, given the facts, you ought to be able to give us a bottom line or not. Would that be covered by the statute or not?
1: Well, I th- in his hypothetical right. —
0: the facts he gave, the friend who he knew was committing all these crimes and all that, and he gave him a gun. Now, is that covered or not?
1: It would be covered if the finder of fact concluded that under all the facts and circumstances it was fair to infer that he knew that it was going to be used for this purpose.
0: Well, I'm just trying to get you to answer. It seems a pretty direct case. Would it be fair to infer that he intended to use it for, the, for that purpose if the facts were as posed by Justice Thomas?
1: And I, 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 I can't—I don't think the facts posed by Justice Thomas, which are that on the one hand, he's a good guy, but on the other hand, he has engaged in criminal acts before, would be enough. I would tend to think that that would be sufficient to—for a finder of fact to infer knowledge that you were substantially assisting a crime— it probably would survive—it therefore would survive a motion to dismiss. But, again, I I don't mean to—I'm not invading the question at all. In every one of these instances, you would ask, with respect to all of the many difficult hypotheticals that could be arrayed in this case, is this—is what you did—did what you did amount to substantial assistance to— the operative tort or here, the act of international terrorism, and did you know that in providing that assistance, you would be substantially assisting an act of international terrorism or a crime that Justice Thomas's friend might commit? But
4: you agree that we don't need to know where Justice Thomas's friend is heading. Right. Like, here, right. Twitter didn't need — could conceivably have been liable, even if it didn't know about the Reina attacks, Correct. so long as it — okay.
5: Correct. I mean I, — I guess I, I'm a little confused from your brief, because it need — from your brief, I thought you needed a direct connection between the assistance given and the actual act. So I came away from your brief thinking that what you were arguing was that they had to provide something specifically for this bombing. They have to provide either the platform for the people to get together or uh, for the actual people doing the bombing to get together or a text message or something that tied them to the crime. Are you moving away from that?
1: No. I apologize for any unclarity, and I appreciate the opportunity therefore to clarify it. You have to have known Well, number one, you have to have provided—the cause of action in this remedial statute derives from the act of international terrorism that injured the plaintiff. You had to have provided substantial assistance to an act of international terrorism that happened to be the one that injured the plaintiff. Otherwise— There's no connection between your assistance and the cause of action. What you don't have to know in advance is that the target would be the Reina nightclub as opposed to Taksim Square or the Paris Metro.
5: So I guess I'm a little bit confused, because as I read your brief — I remain confused, Mr. Waxman — you want a very direct — TIE between the form of assistance and the actual act. Am I correct?
1: I — there must be
5: — With or without knowledge that this is, will be yes, the act. Okay. Yes. Yes. So is there a difference between providing the gun or just providing money, meaning we have cases in the Second Circuit, and I'm sure you're familiar with I them, am. the Athley case and the Kaplan case? in which they didn't provide a platform or a gun, but they provided money to people, and the fair inference from the evidence in both cases, people they knew were using that money for terrorist acts. And both circuits in this case sustained the claims of action here. So why was, why was the indirect Assistance, fungible money, um, make those defendants liable, but you're not liable for providing a platform that you knew they were using to recruit people and to um, help arrange other terrorist acts, perhaps not this one, but you helped the enterprise. So, just in the same way in the case that just talks about, Halberstam. In Halberstam, the woman didn't know which bar- burglary, where. Um, she didn't even know he was committing burglaries necessarily. She knew he was committing a property crime. She was just assisting his enterprise generally. So talk I, to I me about lot, what to I hear a
1: lot of a lot of questions, and I hope that I remember them all. Okay. If I haven't answered them do Don't worry. All, I'll come back to you. Okay. Later. Thank you. First of all, the the banking case—the banking cases in the Second Circuit and the pharmaceutical case in the D.C. Circuit are both—I mean, they, the, the, the salient distinction there is that the culpable conduct was, in fact, the active provision of something of assistance to the tortfeasor, whereas here the actionable conduct is a failure to better ferret out Violations
5: I don't think that that's right,
6: Mr. I realize you have a lot of questions piled up there. <laughs> I, I, I do
5: want them to come back to them, though. <laughs> I, I, can I just, just — I mean, the, the, the conduct
6: is the provision of a platform by which to communicate with each other and other members of ISIS and by which to recruit. So you can, you know, say it's the failure to better
1: police the platform, but it's the provision of a platform. The, the, the distinction that the cases make — between action and inaction, and the the plaintiffs in this case have repeatedly characterized the gravamen here as inaction, failure to do better, to prevent more violations of an established policy. The the distinction between — Maybe that's right. I'm going to rewrite their complaint for them. Okay. It's the provision of a platform. Okay. The distinction that all of the cases, the aiding and abetting cases, draw between action and inaction — is culpability and therefore and what is alleged to be culpable in this case is not the provision to billions of users of a communications platform subject to established policies which are enforced what's what's alleged to be culpable is that we knew from the government reports and from from newspaper reporting that notwithstanding whatever efforts we were making to enforce our policies, nonetheless, there were lots of terrorist organizations or terrorist adherents that were still doing it. That's the culpability, and that's why the restatement, for example, when it talks about — and I'm I'm referring here to restatement third — the substantially assisting a wrongdoer means affirmatively helping with the commission of the tort. It does not mean — it means, quote, something more than routine professional services provided to the I feel guilty that you're the not primary. answering
6: just sonoma Sotomayor's questions, but I'm just going to
1: pile on a little bit, if you'll forgive me. I, I, I have — I and, think I have just, them in mind, just, and I will come back to them.
6: Um, uh, yeah, that, the same thing could have been said about banking. It was, you know, we just provided the same banking services to the terrorists as we did to everybody else. But in fact, that — the provision of that service — materially supported, and uh, the bank knew that it was going to materially
1: support terrorist operations. So that may or may not be the case. The the Second Circuit and the D.C. Circuit erred in, we think, notwithstanding the distinction that I'm having a hard time convincing you of, because they collapsed the mental state required under Step 2 and Step 3 of Halberstam. What they said is the pharmaceutical company was providing money and kickbacks to a known terrorist organization. It was generally aware that this was a terrorist organization. And that satisfies step three, which is the knowing provision of substantial assistance to an act of international terrorism. Likewise, the Second Circuit has said expressly that the only knowledge required to establish the requisite mental state for abetting a crime is general awareness of an, that you are aiding an enterprise. Now, the word enterprise, maybe I can shuffle back to, to — or march back to Justice Sotomayor's question. You referred to the, the Halberstam's opinions discussion — of the criminal enterprise and aiding and abetting the criminal enterprise. We are here, I have three points to make. One, we are here parsing the language of a statute. The word enterprise does not appear in the statute. The word that appears over and over and over again is the act of international terrorism that injured the plaintiff. Number two, The Congress, in its findings, said that it intended to import the legal framework set forth in a section of Halberstam conveniently called legal framework. Again, there is nothing in the legal framework set out there that talks about aiding and abetting or substantially assisting an enterprise. In any event, we don't in any way contest that the court, in applying the facts, in Halberstam to the legal framework, referred over and over again to the substantial assistance that she was providing to the enterprise. Now, the word enterprise, if you look in the dictionary, has a variety of different meanings. But the two first meanings are, um, number one, it can refer to an entity that is typically a, quote, unit of economic organization or quite distinctly, it can refer to an undertaking, systemic, purposeful activity. What Halberstam was using the term to do was to characterize the factual characterization of a series of property crimes in which it held that Bernard Welch and Linda Hamilton played, quote, symbiotic roles. It was not announcing a legal standard that encompasses a broad entity that provides general services to billions of people subject to an unequivocal enforced policy against terrorism. So even if I agree with you that you can establish substantial assistance to the principal tort by showing that there was a course of, you know, a series of like acts of international terrorism or burglaries or property crimes in which the aider and abetter was, to quote the the, the the DC Circuit, a willing participant, and therefore aided and abetted the the principal tort, which was the burglary of the Halberstam home. I don't have Thank a you. problem with that.
0: Thank you, Mr. Waxman. Justice Thomas, any further? Justice Alito. Um,
7: yeah, a few questions. Um, if this were a criminal case, I think it's clear that there would not be aiding and abetting liability. The element in our — and we've addressed uh, aiding and abetting in criminal cases directly, and it requires the intention of causing the crime to be committed. And that's not alleged here. But we have to decide this case presumably under Halberstam, uh, which has sort of a statutory status as a result of the preamble to this statute, and that makes it somewhat difficult. So the second, there's no dispute, I take it, that the first Halberstam factor is satisfied, right? Correct. Okay. The second one, to me, is — has very little meaning. Uh, Maybe you can explain how we can (laughs) read some meaning into it. Uh, A defendant must be generally aware of his role as part of an illegal or tortious activity. Well, you know, if Twitter knows that ISIS — is a terrorist organization, and ISIS members are communicating for the purpose of furthering their terrorist activity, then Twitter is aware of its role. The second factor doesn't even require that it be an important role, a major role. It's just a role. So what substance
1: is there to that? So uh, for purposes of this case, we're not disputing that the second step of Halberstam is satisfied.
7: Okay. So then we go on to the third—I'm I mean, right. sorry. I don't no, 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 no. I was going
1: to say I could, in the fullness of time, which I appreciate the court may not permit me, I could make an argument about what it means to actually be playing a role. But let's move on. The, where the rubber meets the road here is in what is step three of Halberstam, but more significantly, the operative language of the statute, which means that even— if, of course, Twitter and, and Meta and Google, YouTube knew from all these reports that notwithstanding their efforts, there continued to be posted on their communication services messages, videos, whatever, that violated their policies. The question is is a failure? to do more to prevent misuse of widely used services offered at arm's length and subject to an enforced policy against terrorist content, the knowing provision of substantial assistance at least absent specific knowledge of particular accounts or posts that are or may be being used to plan commit or support in some proximate way a particular — the particular act of international terrorism that injured the Okay. So I see two potential arguments
7: that could win for you under the third prong. And one is that — one has to do with knowingly, one has to do with substantiality. So knowingly, I, I think you're, you're right to concede that it wasn't necessary. It's not necessary that they know that there's going to be right. an attack on the Reina nightclub. wouldn't matter if it was a different nightclub. Would it matter if it was a bombing at some facility in Istanbul during a particular period of time when people would be present and people would be killed? But at a certain point, it becomes too attenuated Correct. to support aiding and abetting. So that's a difficult — that's a line-drawing problem. Uh, substantiality is also a line-drawing problem. So what is substantial assistance? What's the difference between substantial and insubstantial assistance? So why aren't these uh, fact questions? How can they be
1: — were they properly decided uh, on a motion to dismiss? We think that they, they are properly decided on a motion to dismiss. You know, all cases — present fact questions the question is whether the facts asserted the facts whether there are plausibly pled facts that would permit a trier of fact to conclude that what we have here amounted to aiding an international cr- aiding and abetting an international crime and we're, what we're saying is justice alito as a matter of law a court should conclude consistent with the the teachings of the common law cases that Halbersam expressly used to extract its three-part framework, and that the restatement makes very, very clear that the failure to do more, to remove content in the context of a service that is generally and widely provided to anybody who complies with the policies — the failure to do more or even a lot more to enforce those policies does not amount to the knowing provision of substantial assistance in the look if the if the if the police chief in istanbul came to twitter and said look we've been following three accounts and these people these these, these people appear to be planning some sort of terrorist act and Twitter basically said, you know, people do lots of things. Um, we're not going to take these things down. We're not going to look into it. There we would have fairly assumed culpable knowledge that there were, in fact, accounts that they knew about that were assertedly, plausibly being used to do this. I mean, your, your original point, I think, is absolutely right. If this were a criminal case, obviously it requires specific intent.
0: Right.
1: And the, the statute here says knowingly provides substantial assistance. But insofar as, as you say, we're to, although we parse the statute, not Halberstam, we should interpret the statute in light of Halberstam's legal framework. There are three separate — and my friend agrees with me — there are three separate questions of c that are posed in the Halberstam framework. And together, you know, if you're generally aware that you're playing a role in illegal activity and you know that you are providing substantial assistance to some act of international terrorism, and therefore you look at substantiality where — where C-enter and intent, as it did in Halberstam, played a major role, I'm not sure there's a huge distinction between the level of intent that's required in this context in which what's alleged is a broad provision of a commercial service and a failure to do anything. You can't infer intent unless you can allege— we knew about some I, I, accounts I, I, that, I
7: in fact… I understand, did. Mr. Okay, I don't you. want to take up too much of my colleague's time. One more one more question, and that has to do with the status of these six factors that Halberstam says are to be considered in uh, assessing the third uh, factor in its test for a civil conspiracy. So… Um, Do you think the Ninth Circuit went astray by — regarding this as sort of a checklist? So, you know, it's checking how many of these boxes are checked, and if enough boxes are checked, then that means that the third factor is satisfied, or is what is required the consideration of
1: those insofar as they have a bearing on the third factor? It's definitely the latter. And I I think even the Ninth Circuit — although we think the Ninth Circuit was utterly wrong in a way that I'll explain — the Ninth Circuit conceded that three of the factors plainly favor no liability because we weren't present. These platforms weren't present at the time of the attack. We had no relationship with the attackers, and, um, and our state of mind was the opposite. This is negative intent. We are opposed to this. Okay. I, I, think
7: I, I understand. Let me
1: Where they went wrong was in mixing up what the object of AIDS and abets is. The object of AIDS and abets is either the act of international terrorism or the person who commits it in the commission Let, let me allow my okay. colleagues to ask some
7: questions.
5: Justice Sotomayor? Um, I think, as often we do, that Justice Alito has touched on what I think is the center of the issue, which is Um, And you've conceded it's item number three. Is the aid knowingly and substantial? Um, I'm a little afraid of going on the knowing standard because willful blindness is something we have said uh, can constitute uh, knowledge. And their allegation is that there were similar names to the ones you took off the platform— and that you did no work to find those similarly named entities and determine whether they they were ISIS or not, so there is an allegation of willful blindness here, but I, I'd like to concentrate maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's I think what you I am all right um, at any rate, if I'm wrong about that, that's fine, but not wrong about that you knew that ISIS was using your platform. Um, but on substantiality, there is a focus on um, how much your platform helped ISIS and less on how much you actually helped them. And that there is a difference between the two things, and I think that that's the difference that you're trying to, to point to, which is in a neutral business setting, using something that is otherwise not criminal, a platform, to communicate with people. And you're doing it not by, as in the bank situation or in the pharmaceutical situation, to help this particular person commit a crime, but in a general business situation, that others are coming to you and you can't find them ahead of time, that that doesn't constitute substantially.
1: That's correct. It doesn't — it doesn't the, — the, you know, the case law and the restatements, you know — and, and Halberstam itself makes clear that the culpable — the culpable conduct has to be, to quote Halberstam, knowing action — knowing action. That substantially aids tortious conduct, or as the Restatement Third says, active participation doesn't constitute uh, in, active participation is what substantial assistance means in the absence of an external legal or fiduciary duty to act, which is not alleged here. And we know it's, it's a fundamental so how do you principle of
5: Justice Alito's question. How do we decide that as a matter of law on this complaint, write it for me, if you were going to write it, that this is not substantial assistance because … Where the culpable …
1: where the alleged culpable conduct is the failure to do more to prevent misuse of widely available services offered to the world at arm's length subject to enforced policies against terrorist content, it is not, as a matter of law, the knowing provision of substantial assistance to an act of international terrorism absent specific knowledge of particular accounts or posts that were used to plan, commit, or proximately support the act of international terrorism that injured the plaintiff.
5: This is, this is a one-case disposition.
1: I, I, I don't think so. The, the rule that the Ninth Circuit has posited and that the plaintiffs embrace, which is essentially derives from the substitution of ISIS as an entity, ISIS as some criminal enterprise for the statutory trigger, which is an act of international terrorism, means that as a matter of course — Every time somebody is injured, an act of international terrorism committed, planned, or supported by a foreign terrorist organization, each one of these platforms will be liable in treble damages, and so will the telephone companies that provided telephone service, the bus company or the taxi company that allowed the terrorists to move about freely. That is — if Congress had wanted to — Again, it's hard to imagine in the context of a remedy to an injured person. But if Congress had wanted to make actionable the provision of substantial assistance to ISIS or a foreign terrorist organization, it just had to change a few words in 2339. And even if you say, well, ISIS is a whole terrorist enterprise and engages in lots of terrorist activities, if they wanted to say, if you aid and abet by knowingly providing substantial assistance to terrorist activities, that's a defined term in 2333-1. They could easily have said that. Because this is a remedial statute that requires treble damage liability against an entity that actively, culpably, is— helping a, the commission of a crime. I mean, the, the, word of, the definition of the word abet in both the civil and criminal context is to, quote, help or encourage someone.
5: I, I think you're going s- far beyond my question. I'm Thank
1: sorry. You.
6: Justice Kagan. Uh, Mr. Waxman, suppose um, this set of facts, that many terrorist organizations use the social media um, services provided by your client, um, that they do so to recruit other members for you know for for purposes of enhancing their terrorist activities, uh, that your client knows this because government officials journalists, other people have pointed it out now i 'm going to change one fact I think so far we 're actually pretty much in the real world right i 'm going to change one fact, which is that instead of having a, a policy against this and trying to remove Uh, this, this, this various uh, terrorist content, that um, Twitter had just said, let a thousand flowers bloom, we're not going to touch a thing. Um, But, you know, it knows that all of this is happening, but it just, it's, it, it does not have a policy of trying to remove. Um, Then do you fall within the language of the statute?
1: I don't think so. I don't think, I mean, that, that's very far from what the facts of the case are, even as pled. And as the Ninth Circuit found, but I don't think so. If they said, look, we don't want our platforms to be used to support terrorist groups or to support terrorist acts, but they don't do anything to enforce it, I think it falls within the Hornbook aiding and abetting rule that was established in the, the cases that Halberstam relied on to define the rule. I mean, in, in Woodward, the Fifth Circuit's decision, which is is really the sort of the case that the that Judge Wald's opinion most relies on, it says, when it is impossible to find any duty of disclosure, an alleged aider and abettor should be found liable only if center of the high conscious intent can be improved. And in a case combining silence or inaction with affirmative assistance— the degree of knowledge. I, mean,
6: I, I guess it, it just strikes me as quite, uh, your answer strikes me as quite something, actually. It's like, what part of um, Halberstam or of the statute do you think at that point that there's not at least a jury question on? Um, uh, you know, Twitter, in my hypothetical, is uh, uh, basically saying, you know, we know that there's a ton of terrorist use of our platform that's going directly to enhance terrorist activity worldwide, and we're not going to do a thing about it. So not like, did you do too much? Did you do, you know, could you have done a little bit more? But we wipe our hands of it such that you know, I mean, just, I mean, you know that that's going, your platform is providing substantial assistance to terrorist activity. How can it be otherwise?
1: Again, you know the, the the outcome in this case doesn't turn on it, but I think, as a matter of principle, the the hornbook principle is that you are not quote helping or encouraging someone to do something wrong or illegal you're by
6: failing. You're helping by providing your service to those people. And again,
1: I, the, I, I with would just-
6: explicit knowledge that those people
1: are using it to advance terrorism. Justice, ISIS is an abhorrent institution, and it does sponsor acts of international terrorism. But not everything that ISIS does is terrorist activity within the defined meaning of that term, which is Well, I take that
6: point, and I think that that is the difference between the material support statute and this statute, that the material support statute is, if I help Hamas build hospitals — I'm still liable under the material support statute, and I'm not liable under this. But I don't see how it is given the set of facts that, you know, with the exception of one, are the facts of this case, which is a set of facts that's saying ISIS is using these for terrorist activities, to advance terrorist goals. And, And if Twitter knew all of that and did nothing to it, how could Twitter be said not to have been knowingly providing substantial assistance.
1: Knowing, uh, knowingly providing substantial assistance to the act of international terrorism that injured the plaintiff. And I, I think the proposition well, is — now you're going back to what
6: I thought you dropped at the very beginning of this of this
1: um, uh, argument, which is it do, they don't have to know the, no, that but, it's the Rain and Nightclub Act. But you have — the plaintiff has to demonstrate that they provided substantial assistance in some — proximate way that their provision of a general service open to everybody, consistent with a policy which maybe they don't enforce at all, at arm's length to everybody in the world, does not amount to the knowing provision of subs- — it doesn't amount you — ha- you, if the plaintiff could say there were, in fact, posts and accounts — that were used to plan this attack or approximately support this attack, that would be something. It wouldn't be enough unless we knew about it, because as the cases all establish, there has to be, quote, an affirmative help with the commission of the tort that forms the basis for the cause of action. Thank you. Justice Gorsuch?
3: Uh, Mr. Waxman, I I can't help but wonder whether some of the struggle you've had this morning with my colleagues about uh, the scope of the aiding and abetting statute um, comes from your reading of the text. And and turning to 2333D2, as I understand it, you read the aiding and abetting clauses taking as its object the act of international terrorism rather than the person who committed the act. And that that seems a pretty abstract way to read the statute. Um, aiding an action or an explosion or or some something like that in the world. It's very different than how we normally read aiding and abetting statutes, or of the common understand the common law where you have to aid and abet a person. And you read the conspiracy clause to take as its object a person. The the person. And I just wonder whether the better reading of the statute is that both of those WHO clauses in both both the aiding and abetting of the conspiracy clause take as their object the person who committed the act of international terrorism. And I wonder why you haven't pressed that argument a little bit further, because it seems to me it helps you. Um, the, the plaintiff would have to plead and prove that the defendant helped he it in abetted or conspired with a person who committed an act of international terrorism. And the Dictionary Act defines persons as real persons and juridical entities not an explosion or some other action in the world and here the complaint alleges three people involved in the attack and doesn't link up your conduct your client's conduct necessarily, necessarily in any very clear way to those three persons what am i missing
1: i don't i don't think you're missing anything with with respect but let me make clear what our position is with respect to the object of the couplet aids and abets. Our brief doesn't— Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> I want to be—I I want my position to be as pellucid as, it, as I can make it to the court for the court's consideration. We think that the better reading of the object of abets is, as the government— and the respondents supporting the petitioner argue at length is, in fact, the act of international terrorism. It is oh, not— Oh, I,
3: I didn't—I I was fearful. Maybe we ought to just stop, Mr. Waxman, and maybe maybe I ought to let my colleagues proceed.
1: Okay. I Did I answer your question?
3: Uh, yeah. I, 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 I don't know why you're resisting, however, I'm- that both of those clauses take uh, as their object the person.
1: I, I am not. I think it is perfectly fine to read the object as the person who committed the act of international terrorism, but it is in the nature of abetting criminal activity that it is assisting and aiding and abetting the person in the commission of the act of international terrorism. It is not coherent. It is how about How about this? How about
3: reading the statute for just what exactly it says? a person who aids and abets, dot, 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 the person who committed such an act of international terrorism. Would you support reading the statute for what it says?
1: I think that I support reading the statute, what it says. The statute says abetting.
3: And no, it says who, a, who aids and abets, and then I'm going to put in some ellipses, because it would get, then goes on to conspiracy Uh, The person who committed such act of international terrorism. Any objection to that?
1: No, with the understanding that the use of the verb abets means assisting the person in committing the act. And as as, as the Facebook and Google brief points out, every time a statute uses person as the object of aiding and abetting, it goes on to make that clear. Of course.
8: I take that as given. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Justice Kavanaugh?
8: Just want to make sure I understand your position. So I think you're trying to translate the elusive words of the statute into some kind of general rule. Uh, And I just want to make sure I have the general rule or general principle that you're trying to articulate down, which I think is that a... Uh, When there's a legitimate business that provides services on a widely available basis in an arm's length manner, it's not going to be liable under this statute, even if it knows bad people use its services for bad things. Correct. Unless it knows
1: of specific, in this case it would be accounts or posts, that are in fact being used to plan or commit a terrorist act, including an an attack like the one that injured the plaintiff. That is, there has to be particular knowledge in that context. Mm -hmm. That's our rule. Thank you. Justice Barrett?
4: Okay, so I'm having a little bit of difficulty isolating exactly your argument. So. Let me, let me put it to you this way. So it seems to me that the flaws in the Ninth Circuit opinion that you see are, one, in the unit of analysis, because
2: Correct. they're
4: focusing on the enterprise rather than the act, or, or as Justice Gorsuch said, the person who committed an act. But in any event, you're saying that we need to specifically focus on the act here, the Reina bombing, didn't have to know it was going to be there. Okay. Um, second is the substantial assistance, and third is the knowledge requirement. So I just want to make sure I understand the difference between aiding the enterprise writ large and aiding in an act, because you've said in response to a few of my colleagues, including just now Justice Kavanaugh, that if you know bad people are using the platform and you don't do anything about it, and I'm pressing you now on what you said about specific knowledge of the specific Mm -hmm. accounts, I guess— Um, why, if you know ISIS is using it, you know ISIS is going to be doing bad things. You know ISIS is going to be committing acts of terrorism. So what work does uh, training your focus on the specific act do in that case? Because aiding ISIS is aiding the commission of particular acts in the future, how specific must the knowledge be? There must be a range between aiding the enterprise and knowing the time, date, and location of the particular act, right?
1: So I I am—I'm not resisting, as a categorical matter, the use of the word and Halberstam's use of the word enterprise. My position is that where the court below erred was in substituting, as the objective of— Whereas the statute clearly says that the object is either the act of international terrorism that you're abetting or the person who committed that act in commi- — you abetted that person in committing the act. Halberstam points out that, look, if you have a situation in which, you know, you have a partner, you have a symbiotic relationship with a partner in which every week there's a property crime — and he brings home the jewels, and you smelt it down and, you know, and sell it, that you can be deemed to have knowingly provided substantial assistance to the act where ultimately he gets caught, the Halberstam burglary. The fact that you were part of this series of discrete acts establishes step three of Halberstam. That's very different from basically saying that all you have to do is aid and abet ISIS generally. And the clarity with which the Ninth Circuit made that error is is actually revealed. I, I don't have the page number, but it's in the, the discussion of the facts of of Gonzales before it gets to Tamda. The, 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 the Ninth Circuit says, quote, the parties dispute whether the relevant, quote, Principle violation is ISIS's broader campaign of terrorism or the Paris attacks. It chooses the former and therefore says anything that ISIS does, that you assist anything that ISIS does, is assisting an act of international terrorism.
4: Okay, so it's a level of generality. I'm— You were kind of going back and forth with Justice Kagan about the same issue. It's a level of generality. You might know. I guess I'm trying to figure out if the Ninth Circuit's error matters, because you might know that you're aiding ISIS. And as I said, aiding ISIS is going to result in aiding some terrorist attacks. But you're saying that the plaintiff would have to allege facts sufficient to show that Twitter was being used to plan this attack. I'm putting aside right now the knowledge and substantial assistance part, but that's the level of inquiry.
1: You have to be, the plaintiff has to plausibly allege that substantial assistance was provided to the act of international terrorism that injured the plaintiff in the case. So
4: that these particular terrorists were communicating via Twitter for the Reina attack, putting aside what Twitter knew about it, would need to be looking at tweets or accounts going back and forth to share the details or recruit people to help participate in this bombing?
1: No, I, I mean, the Twitter would have to know there are accounts we know. I'm not of these. talking
4: about Twitter's knowledge. I'm just okay. talking about the unit of analysis. Okay,
1: the unit of analysis is that there is a there is a there is a there are allegations in a complaint that there were Twitter accounts or Twitter posts that twi- that in fact substantially assisted this terrorist Bomby. attack.
4: So not the general recruiting.
1: Not general okay. right.
4: I, I think I understand you. And on, on substantial assistance, you kind of conceded to Justice Kagan in, in her hypothetical that it would be substantial assistance if Twitter knew that these accounts were being used and didn't do anything to take them down.
1: The, yes, the particular account. So
4: that's that would be because I'm just wondering what the test for substantial assistance is, right? I mean, there's a there's a lot that goes into presumably pulling off a terrorist attack. So is providing the means of communication you concede that would be substantial assistance?
1: I mean, it, again, it would depend on what was going, what it turned out was going on in those accounts that Twitter actually knew about, and if Twitter knows about and this, goes to uh, to to. Justice Sotomayor's question about willful blindness, willful—if if if in my hypothetical, the Turkish police, the Istanbul police, come and say there are ten accounts, ten Twitter accounts that appear to be involved in planning some sort of terrorist attack here, and Twitter basically says, "Not our problem." That is the level of knowledge, and, and, and but if that's in fa-
4: knowledge, I was asking about substantial assistance. I see.
1: If the if what was in those posts. In fact, were the planning and preparation and commission of the attack that happened to occur at the Reina nightclub, that would be substantial assistance. Okay,
4: so to clarify, you're not saying that merely using the platform is enough, but it would depend on how significant the communications on the platform were to the attack. Correct. Okay, and last question: What daylight, if any, do you see between your position and the government's position?
1: Very little. Um, I think what the government says, I mean, with respect to the relevant object, we agree. It's the act of international terrorism, not ISIS generally. With respect to knowledge, I think they also agree, the particularity in a context in which there's this remote general arm's length provision of services. If we disagree, it's on the — how one calculates, I guess, or characterizes substantiality. The government says that there has to be a substantial causal link between the assistance provided and the act that occurred. And we, I, I don't, on, in principle, I don't disagree with that.
4: So no daylight, really?
1: I, I, can I okay. — can I reserve judgment until I hear <laughs> Mr. Needler's okay, answers? You started out
4: saying very little, and then you said in principle — but that's — that's okay. I'll let Justice Jackson have a shot. I — I Mrs.
1: I'm Jackson. not sure. Justice Jackson? Yes. Good morning, Mr. Rackman. Good morning. I um,
9: — I had thought that knowledge and substantial assistance were two different elements or two different criteria. Am I right that that's the case, or no?
1: I think you are you're looking you, go ahead you, yes you are right what the the operative text says that aiding and abetting by knowingly providing substantial assistance all right so, so there two are different two different things
9: there are two elements but then the the uh your statement of the rule that you explored with Justice Kavanaugh seemed to have them both working in a way that I was confused about so, so let me yeah, I, can, yeah, see, so, I so, can see how
1: it's it's confusing. So, you ha- your what's alleged to be your culpable conduct has to have, in fact, substantially assisted the act of international terrorism that injured the plane. independent of your knowledge. It has to have it, it has to have done, it has to have done okay. that. But the statute goes further and says that you have to knowingly provide that assistance which we think must mean that you must know, A, that you're providing assistance and know that the pro- assistance you're providing is substantial. But let
9: me ask you, does it have to run to the particular act? Because at the very beginning in your conversations with, um, I think, Justice Sotomayor, we were trying to get to this point of uh, understanding your view that the particular tortious act is what we're focusing on not just general assistance to the the terrorist organization. I get that. But if we're looking at the particular act, then you said at one point that you can have general awareness that you're assisting the particular
1: act. And I don't really understand what that means. I misspoke if I said that. Okay. So I I think I was trying to explain that under step two of the Halberstam framework— You have to, quote, be generally aware of your role as part of the overall illegal illegal tortious activity at the time you provide the assistance. And you conceded that in this case? I conceded for purposes of this case that that's that's fairly pled in the complaint.
9: So then what's the knowledge that's working
1: at step three? Right. You have to know that you are providing substantial assistance to— an act of international terrorism, and the and it, an act of international terrorism that happened to be a terrorist attack that injured the plaintiff. But it
9: doesn't have to be the RAINA attack. You just have to know that you're assisting ISIS.
1: That ISIS participates in. It's not just the. Uh, there's a, a wide gulf between knowing that the that the location of the attack will be the rain and nightclub. And knowing that you're somehow generally assisting ISIS. Yes, and it's
9: the gulf I'm trying to explore. So I I want to chart it. What do you have to know in three that is sufficient under your view?
1: Yes. You have to know that you, in fact… No, well… I'm sorry, was it... What did you have three, to know? In
9: step three, when you say... We, we've, the
1: no, the we've disposed knowledge.
9: of two, which is the general knowledge of your role. You know you have a platform and people are using it and some of those people are bad people. Got it. Three, you say home in on the act. It has to be act of, of terrorism. And I guess I'm just trying... That,
1: that you substantially assist in Correct. that. Correct, right. But then what's knowing doing there? You have to know that your action would substantially assist an act of international terrorism. That's the independent work that knowing, that, the know, that you knowingly provide substantial assistance does. So they don't have to allege or they do have to allege
9: that you knew something about the fact that this group was going to do an act of international terrorism that turned
1: into the Rena attack? You ha- that is exactly what you, ha- you have to—they have to plausibly allege and ultimately prove not only that our actions substantially assisted the Rena attack, but that we knew that we were providing substantial assistance to some act of international terrorism—
9: but Period. not enough to know that, the, that you're providing a, say, a substantial assistance to a group that does this kind of thing. Of course not. I, I don't know that I see that clearly, the distinction. But let me ask you just a quick question about Halberstam. So I guess I'm a little concerned about framing this as the defendant is offering generally available services. What if in Halberstam itself, instead of Linda Hamilton providing bookkeeping services, we had an accounting firm? And their usual course of business was to provide the bookkeeping services. They did exactly what she did with exactly the same level of uh, uh, of knowledge in the sense that they knew that these were pretty, you know, the, the uh, they knew this guy didn't have a job. <laughs> and suddenly he was showing up with, you know, thousands Jewel, of dollars right. in jewels and whatnot and asking them for bookkeeping services.
1: Are they, Are they on the hook or not? I think they probably would be on the hook. I mean, it's different than Hamilton, where she had no other job. She didn't do anything other than have this symbiotic criminal relationship. But if you had an accounting firm that somebody comes and basically says, you know, I'd like you to help me with the following. I'd like you to help me, you know, smelt down jewelry— No, no, they're doing their
9: their usual bookkeeping services. They have a lot of clients. They have very, uh, you know, well-to-do regular clients who do have jobs and are bringing them money. And then they have this guy who starts coming and saying, please, I'd like to do bookkeeping. And they're a little suspicious, but they don't do anything other than the regular bookkeeping services that they ordinarily would provide uh, to their other clients. I
1: mean, if the circumstances of the services that's being requested and that they provided would not permit a fair inference that they were, quote, generally aware of the role they were playing as part of overall illegal or tortious activity, they wouldn't be liable for aiding and abetting. I, I do want to just thank you. You can finish your sentence. <laughs> Sadly, I'm afraid I did finish my sentence. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Niegler?
10: Mr. Chief excuse me. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, the United States condemns in the strongest terms the terrorist act that caused Mr. Alasov's death and sympathizes with the profound loss that the plaintiffs in this case have experienced. We submit, however, that the allegations in this complaint do not state a claim that the defendants aided and abetted, that is, that they assumed a culpable role in the commission of that murder. JASTA requires more than allegations that a terrorist organization availed itself of interactive computer services that that were remote from the act of terrorism were widely and routinely available to hundreds of millions, if not billions, of persons through the automatic features of those services and did not single out ISIS for favorable treatment. JASTA permits recovery against persons who become complicit by rendering substantial assistance that encourages the Commission of Terrorist Acts, but by JASTA's express terms and its incorporation of Halberstam's common law standards Congress ensured that JASTA does not reach so broadly as to inhibit legitimate and important activities by businesses, charities, and others, both in the United States and in other parts of the world that may be unstable or underdeveloped. I welcome the Court's questions.
2: Uh, Mr. Needle, I I think I'd just like to get a finer point on uh, your position. Um, when we talk about Twitter or YouTube or Facebook, it's because of the algorithms and how broadly these uh this these businesses are, it's complicated. But I'd like to simplify it just a bit and see where you come out. Uh you recall uh PageNet, don't you? When pagers were uh ubiquitous? Yes. <laughs> And I don't
10: recall Pagenet, but okay, I'm, well, I'm not just, an expert in Well,
2: that. yeah. Well, just Pagers were ubiquitous at one point, right? right? And we ought to, let's assume that, uh, as with certain criminal elements who used Pagers back then, uh, you had terrorists who had an affa- affinity for these. Um, and that the, the Pagenet, let's assume there was a company, Pagenet, Understood that they uh, used their services, as did doctors, as did other people, business people, um, would that uh, um, constitute aiding and abetting if they did nothing and permitted them to use it and engage in terrorist activity?
10: Um, by application of the Halbrism standards, yes. that yes. may be that may be unclear, but I think it would probably not be substantial assistance or knowing substantial assistance uh,
2: okay, so if you would just parse that for me right. uh, you know you know they're using it, and you know it's probably central to what they're doing so what's where does it fail the Halberson test I,
10: I think there's one distinction between this and uh, between your hypo and this case, which is the distance between the aid. And and the uh, and the commission of the act in your example, it's much more proximate. I think, yeah. if I understand the hypothetical, the the using the pager will be alerting somebody to the immediate commission of the crime. Uh, that's not what we have here. Here we have uh, something that is much more remote. The use of an automatic service that the claim is that that enhances ISIS which in turn may be in combination with a a number of other factors.
2: Well, that's why I went to pagers, because I wanted it to be closer. Right. And I wanted to put a finer point on it because, you know, of course, a billion people or hundreds of millions of people are using these services, and so you get lost in that. I understand you say that's uh, too too, uh, amorphous or it's too uh, uh, attenuated. But if you tighten it somewhat and use pagers, it would seem that you would be able to answer that with, a, a, you know, more clarity.
10: Yes, but I, I think, frankly, it's somewhat in between. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the hypothetical that you're describing, I think if you, if you look at the Halberstam factors, mm-hmm. which is an important part of the Halberstam test in deciding what's substantial assistance. And by the way, that's not… Just a factual question. In Halberstam itself, the court first affirmed the district court's factual findings, and then applied its legal test. And by application of the legal test, which is those six factors, uh, the court was able to find um, liability. In a number of the other cases, they've been dismissed because the allegations don't make out a legal standard. It's not so much a question of fact, but in your in your hypothetical. Uh, uh, the three most important factors we think in this case, I think, bear on your, uh, on your question. Uh, and, and one of those is, Halberstam puts it in terms of, was the person present at the commission of the offense? I think that's uh, maybe a proxy or, or a window into the question of how proximate was the, was the person, the, the defendant's um, action to the ultimate act. And in Halberstam, obviously, the court said she was integrally related. Here we think it's not proximate either in the legal proximate cause sense or in the factual, the way the Internet works sense. In your example, it's more proximate, uh, both, I think, in a factual and maybe in a legal sense, uh, that, that the use of the of the pager uh, would have, depending on, you know, there may be other facts and, and the level of knowledge uh, would be... Uh, uh, would be an important element of that. And another imp- very important factor, I think, in Halberstam that would be relevant in the, in the case that you're describing, but I think it's very relevant here, is what is the state of mind of the person, of the defendant in the case? And here the, the Court of Appeals said it's undisputed that Twitter and the other defendants here did not have an intent to further ISIS activities or the particular terrorist act here. So can I —
0: I'm sorry. I was just saying, Mr. Needler, that I think the discussion this morning taken on a very academic tone. You you say both of the tests, the plaintiffs and Twitters, uh, they're they're wrong, and you come up with your own test on page 34 of your 34-page brief. The suspense was uh, killing me, and this is what you say. (laughs) You say, in some circumstances, such as the direct channeling of substantial funds or other fungible resources to a foreign terrorist organization or its close affiliates with knowing acquiescence in their potential use, a secondary defendant's contributions may have a sufficient nexus to a terrorist act, even if the defendant has no advanced knowledge of or does not provide support specifically directed to the particular act. And I counted six different factors in there. And that's added on top of the six-factor Halberstam test. I guess that's six squared. Uh, And it it seems to me that I don't know how helpful it is to parse each of those different requirements or try to decide if there should be five or six in in trying to draw a line between, uh, you know, assistance with respect to a particular terrorist act and uh, assistance to a terrorist organization. You know, each one of these situations that will come along will have – different of these facts, prominent, and different ones not there. Um, And, I I mean, is there any way to articulate how to approach these cases without having a 6 or 12, I guess, or maybe 36-factor test? Well,
10: Several things. First of all, what uh, what you quoted from page 36 was not intended. 34. Uh, 34, sorry, was not intended to be a legal test. It was an example of what might make out a case of knowing substantial assistance under the Halberstam test. But I think because of the incorporation, express incorporation of halberstam into the act it is necessary to look to halberstam and halberstam did not come out of nowhere it was based on the restatement of of torts and what what in other circumstances this court has held that congress should not be understood to displace the common law here it incorporated the common law as set forth in the restatement of torts which halberstam relied upon and then this uh, and then congress incorporated it and the six factors are really guides or guideposts to getting at whether — what the defendant's conduct was, is it culpable enough? And, and you can't come up with a with a test that will answer every case. And that's why Haberstem looked to factors. But no, but factors- each factor
0: — I mean, one uh, substantial assistance. Okay. Well, then — I mean, if you only give 100 bucks to assist the terrorist act that's going to result — uh, in the murder of different people, they, you say, well, that's not real substantial. Well, but if you give $10,000, is. That seems like a very odd factor.
10: Well, I, I think it's not so odd if you think about the different ways in which it might arise. If somebody is about to commit a terrorist act, and, and you know it, uh, and, and, uh, and the, the terrorist said, you know, could you give me $10 to buy a knife? and you give him the $10 and he commits the terrorist act with that knife, I think that that would count as substantial assistance, both because it was, it was an essential element in allowing the, the act to occur. Okay. If you thank, gave thank you. $100 to ISIS uh, there, and, and um, just wrote a check. No, with respect to the act. Oh, with, res- with any, anything that is, res- that is specifically with respect to the act. I, I think your example, uh, the $100, in any way that says, pl- I'm writing this check to commit this particular terrorist act, that would count. Uh, so it's not it, its not just the amount that is a factor, but the amount matters in terms of the overall context or what the defendant okay, is I
6: Mr. 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 Needler, um, let's say a known terrorist walks into a bank um, and um, uh, avails himself, opens up an account, avails himself of various banking services. The bank knows who this person is. The bank knows that terrorists need banking services to conduct their terrorist activities. The bank provides him with those banking services. They provide a hundred other clients who are not terrorists with the same banking services, but they provide this known terrorist with these banking services that are uh, very important to its terrorist activities. Can you go after that person under this statute?
10: I, I, I think you probably could, but when you say known terrorist, I, I, I'm not. If it's just somebody who is affiliated with ISIS, you might have the the proximate. Um, yeah. No. This is like a
6: Osama bin Laden.
10: Yeah. 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 So some, somebody who is a leader, or somebody who you know, has committed or is about to commit a terrorist act. Okay. Yes, I think you can. And the, the, because the, I would be
6: shocked those. if the government gave that one away. Right. right
10: no. And, and I think that's the and really all this court needs to decide in this well, case. Well, but
6: is I guess but, what I'm trying to to focus on is like, what's the difference? You I, know. I mean, we're we're used to thinking about banks as providing. Um, very important services to terrorists. Um, Maybe we're not so used to, but it seems to be true that various kinds of social media platforms also provide very important services to terrorists. And if you know that you're providing a very important service to terrorists, why isn't, why aren't you providing substantial assistance and just doing it knowingly? What's the difference between the banking case and
10: this case? I, I think there is a very large difference in terms of the nature of the interaction. And, the, the, again, one of the Halberstam factors is what is the relationship uh, between the defendant and the person who committed the act. And in, in Halberstam, it, you know, she was daily The bank engaged. doesn't
6: know anything about any particular act. No,
10: I'm, I'm not saying the particular act. But, but the, 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 two, the, the uh, two banking cases, or the, the banking case Kaplan and the drug Kickback case, actually, that are discussed in the briefs. There was personal interaction. There was a tra- there were transaction specific, knowing interactions between the bank or or the or the drug companies and the entity that was known to be a terrorist act uh, actor engaged actively in terrorist acts. So it has to be like
6: personal banking. I mean, suppose the banking were less personal than that, but you know they were providing you know very important financial services to a terrorist organization.
10: But I, but the substantial assistance, again, is is partly a question, I mean, it, it, it goes to the ultimate question of culpability and proximate causation. And the, and the, the, the ultimate issue is, is society prepared to hold the, the the person alleged to be an aider and a better culpable essentially equally with the person who committed Mr.
7: Neidler, it? Mr. Needler, take — Take uh, had you finished? Go. Uh, Take Justice Kagan's hypothetical, and substitute going back even further than the days of pagers to the days of uh, of landline phones and phone booths. And so the telephone company, the the telephone company knows that a particular person is uh, has a criminal background and is probably engaging in criminal activity and is using the phone to communicate with other members of that person's gang. Is that aiding and abetting the
10: crimes that they commit? No. No, that would not be. And I, So I, I think the availing oneself of a, of a service that is universally open, that is furnished automatically by the features uh, of the system, that is mostly, you know, helping lawful uh, businesses that is not, as I think one of the hypos yesterday Why
6: doesn't that apply not, to my bank,
10: too? Well, the bank cases actually that have been decided in the lower courts go both ways. And, and they, I think they, they turn on the, the level of knowledge. They turn on ultimately on the culpability. Several of the cases, Siegel for one, turn on the fact that the, that the, uh, the, the bank took steps to ensure the, the, the bank was not intending to, fr- to further the services. It was not – it didn't have a culpable intent. Uh, but where the, in the example that you're describing, I, I think it's a lot easier to make a judgment, basically a societal or, or uh, judgment. Are we prepared to hold that person liable? And Suppose
9: if, if, we have Justice Alito's scenario with the providing to the gangsters or whatnot, and you say, no, that's not going to um, be covered. But w- what if that same company gets specific information about these people, And now we're not talking about generally provided services that, you know, they sign up for somewhere and the company thinks it doesn't have any information about them. But we know suddenly the company knows that these individual people are in a gang and generally using the cell phones that they uh, uh, have acquired from the company for um, criminal activity. Does that change the scenario? Yes, no, it
10: changes it dramatically, I think. And I, I think that that's the difference between, I think, the two examples that Mr. Waxman was offering. The, the making available the general services that you would make available to anyone is, is ordinary, not face-to-face business. But if you know facts that, that zero in on a, a known act, Or known actor who you know is committing those acts. But wait, what about the? Thank you. Wrap up.
9: I just wanted to say, what about the difference between actor and act? If you do, you have to know that that the gangster is going to commit a particular act, or is it just is it enough to know that he's a gangster and therefore is likely
10: to do so? I, I think because you're talking about a specific person. who you know is likely to, I think that would be enough. That's very different from an organization like, uh, like one of these platforms that does, is not acting on a transaction-by-transaction basis to know whether this account or this person is, is furthering an act.
7: Thank you, Mr. Neibler. Justice
10: Thomas? Justice Alito?
7: I mean, <clears throat> Bell t- uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover tells Bell Telephone that Dutch Schultz is a gangster, and he 's using his phone to carry out mob activities uh, that and the phone company says well we don 't pull we don 't deprive people of service based on that that makes them an
10: aider and a better uh, perhaps not probably not i mean it depends but but wow that 's a perhaps <laughs> no 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 I, 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 I think that even with that knowledge the, the halberstam factors require uh, uh, an intent or a, to the move problem, the to The move problem the is
7: Halberstam and we're stuck with Halberstam because those three factors are met in in my telephone example
4: or they're
10: arguably met in the telephone example are they not? Perhaps but, but again it's a judgment call it's the nature of the act the nature of the defendant's contribution so I, I don't think I don't think the hypotheticals um, uh lend themselves to one basic rule it's a judgment call as to whether the defendant is culpable has become complicit in in the way a conspirator would i mean uh, this statute equates or or puts on uh, pairs together um, uh, conspiracy and aiding and abetting requiring again some culpable uh, becoming a willing participant in, in the act, and here the furnishing of services is a general matter, which is all the court needs to decide in this case, we do not think rises to that level. Would it be consistent with Halberstam to read knowingly to mean,
7: oh, just a shade short of purposefully?
10: That would give some substance to this. Yeah, I, I, again, I, th- I, I think there is some overlap between this, the knowing and the substantial uh, for example, you, you may know as a general matter that ISIS-affiliated persons are using uh, your system, but you may not know by how much, you may not know for how long, you may not know which accounts. And so it's very generalized information. And any, any, that assistance with the idea that it might encourage recruiting is far
5: removed from a specific act uh, of terrorism. Thank you.
0: Justice Solomayorke?
5: Would you answer the question that Justice Barrett uh, placed to Mr. Waxman, which is, what's the daylight between you and the petitioners? And how would you write the bottom line of this opinion? They're not liable because. uh,
10: On on the first, I think one place where we might have a difference is to use the Ashley and Kaplan uh, examples — not necessarily saying whether those were right or wrong, but the general proposition is those were banks in, or banks or companies engaged in interpersonal direct communications with the client. They had knowledge that the client was uh, either a front for or closely aligned with Hamas I think it was Hamas in both cases that was actively committing. Terrorist acts, including against Americans in the you know in the proximate area, uh, and so that there's and, a degree and with, of culpability and, and there
5: because they were doing something outside the ordinary course yes. of business. Yes, okay. they, they So that's sort unfair. of they, they
10: bent the rules, uh, which there's no allegation here that that these defendants. Uh, treated ISIS any, ISIS content any differently than they did anything else in the in the
5: in their usual course of business. We think that's a critical fact. And but what does that go to knowledge or substantiality? And so, to which factor does it go to? I I,
10: I think it I, it it goes somewhat to both, but I think it I think it's really substantiality. Um, um, And and I think that's an objective test. And frankly, I think that would be a a useful way for the court to think about it here in terms of being able for courts to be able to dismiss these cases at the outset without having to go through extensive discovery that would require analysis of all the the accounts and everything over a period of time. Because I I think it's a judgment that a company engaged in this sort of activity, which is overall very helpful to society – Uh, should not be held responsible, culpable, a willing participant. Unless what?
5: Write the bottom line for me. Um, Okay. I I go as far as you go. uh, uh, So what what does substantiality mean or not
10: mean? In in the case of the Internet service providers, we think it means that they are not — the regular course of business, as alleged here, does not constitute — Knowing substantial assistance, the situation in which it might is if if specific accounts are called to the defendant's attention, saying this this account is about to be used for uh, the the to
5: facilitate the commission of, so of an account. So, what do I deal with? We know what ISIS does. Um, I, I think if I read the complaint or something, they even know that ISIS has certain accounts, but they haven't taken off all the ISIS accounts? No? Mr. Waxman is... Well, no, I... I,
10: I, I can ask the, 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 court, the court of The Court of Appeals stated that uh, on page 63A and okay. 64, w- where we think it addressed the, the, the most important factors that ISIS regular... ISIS... That the defendants regularly take down the accounts. Uh, but... Well, at least when they 're called to their attention, now they may have missed some, but that 's inherent in a system that that uh, services hundreds of millions uh, of customers. so in this case, it would require something more specific about a particular act in, because of the nature of the services they 're offering that doesn 't mean in every case, like in the Ashley case or, or the bank cases, that the bank has to know of the specific act because it was. They were. They were aware of proximate. Act- is, is, it fair, is it
5: fair? Is it fair for me to summarize in the way that Justice Alito did? That substantiality, in your view, has to have some purpose to it. The state of mind, instead is, of knowledge, the purpose. The,
10: the state of mind is one of, is one of the factors, and the state of mind is is how. It does not require specific intent, which, as Justice Alito pointed out, is required. But what it but what is required in, in the criminal context? What is required in the civil context is encouragement, something that something that the Some uh, defendant knowingly action. does encourages in in a in a in a meaningful way, because uh, it, proximate cause is about is about deciding how far responsibility. Should go, and you know the this statute, and I, I think we are concerned about not extending it so far that legitimate business activities could be inhibited uh, the banks, for example in in uh, underdeveloped parts of the world uh, and charities that may depend on those banks concerns about how they may they may pull back as a result of legitimate businesses, so that um, th- that is a concern that should enter into uh, the analysis, including here the type of the service and how remote it, that service is from the commission of any particular Thank eye. you.
0: So Mayor. Justice Kagan.
6: Mr. Nieder, a, a few times in talking about differences among hypothetical cases and real cases, you said uh, this is really a societal judgment about who counts as complicit, who counts as culpable. And that seems right to me. Um, but it seems to suggest that this should be a jury question, shouldn't
10: it? No, I think there's a very — there's a big difference. Juries decide facts. The law decides what, what um, consequences to attach to the facts that are found or alleged. And, and we think this is essentially a question of, question of law. Now, to be sure, it's a question of law that turns on looking at the particular factors in Halberstam. But that's exactly what Halberstam itself did — as I said, after making the factual findings, it went on to apply the, the standards in the nature of the common law, uh, drawing on the, on the restatement of, of, of torts. And I think there's a, a practical common sense judgment that most people would understand that when you are running a, a, a business that is open to all comers, that it's not face to face, you're not singling out one person for favorable treatment. It's an important service that we all benefit from, that you would, that you would look at that conduct quite differently than you would to somebody who is engaged in a face to face encounter, ask to lend money or give money or or give services that are specific to that person that you know he's about to commit or is a member of a group that all around you is committing Uh, terrorist acts as as in uh, as in actually and 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 kaplan so there is that's a that's a judgment that the law makes about whether the conduct is culpable whether the person has has become a willing partner i mean there are a lot of expressions trying to get at the question of whether the person is sufficiently complicit in the actual murder justice gorsuch
3: Mr. Needler, I, I appreciate that Congress uh, approved the Halberstam uh, decision, but do we really have to wade through its three elements where the third element has two prongs and the second prong is made up of six factors, some of which you tell us don't apparently count for very much? Is there some way to cut through that kudzu and, and, and decide this case on the statutory terms? Uh, please say Yes. <laughs>
10: Yes, uh, the, um, there is, uh, and, and, I, and I think that the, um, uh, you, you can look at the overall context of this statute. JASTA was passed largely in, re, you know, almost entirely in response to decisions of the, uh, that came out of the Second Circuit concerning responsibility for the 9 11 attacks, and, and specifically where plaintiffs were trying to hold responsible uh, the Saudi government. Saudi officials, Saudi um, uh, charities. Uh, but the courts had said, no, there's no personal jurisdiction over some of them. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the Saudi state wasn't liable or couldn't be sued under the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act because of limitations on the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act. Uh,
3: Mr. And- Mr. Needler, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I was hoping for an answer, answer having something to do with the statutory text. And, and let me just again offer one possibility that the the two clauses, the two who clauses in in the statute might modify the person who committed such an act rather than the act itself, an an event in the world. And and it seems to me that that's a pretty important limitation on aiding and abetting liability and conspiracy liability, both secondary forms of liability in our law generally, that you have to aid an actual person. It's not just a pedantic point. It has to do with um, the idea that that you're singling somebody out, and that that is different than just doing your business normally, and that that does help limit the scope of the act. But what am I missing?
10: Well, I, I think that the act, in, in our view overall, does not require that the uh, assistance be zeroed in on the individual who committed the act. I mean, what, its what, liability may what? be asserted against any.
3: Uh, Why not? Because that's normally how secondary liability works, and it's an important limitation that, that, that cabins in the scope uh, and prevents secondary liability be, from becoming liability for just doing business.
10: Yeah, well, I, I, I think... Um... I, I think the sense that you have is correct in the sense that an, a, an act is actually committed by a, a human being, a natural person, or at least in, in most or, instances.
3: Or a, or, or a corporate person. The dictionary act of, which defines person includes those kinds of juridical entities. Yes. no, it, and, it, it, we have, and we have two who clauses, who aids and abets or who conspires. And, and the language then says, with the person.
10: Right. So uh, the, the point I was about to make was that even if you regard the person uh, as the individual, if the assist, the, in this case, for example, ISIS would commit the terrorist act through the act of an individual. So right. I'm not sure and, the and distinction here, is.
3: And it, here the point would be that, uh, okay, uh, the defendant, Twitter, was, was, Facebook, Google, whatever, was, was, uh, was doing its business but there are very few points in this complaint that allege that they aided the persons who actually engaged in the terrorist act i mean with with all we all appreciate how horrible the attack was but there's very little linking the defendants in this complaint to those persons
10: yes but i, I agree with that and uh, but i think that, i think that also means there's very little next to nothing that links it with the act that the person committed
3: so well, I- in, in a very abstract way in the world everything's connected to everything else and what the defendant did may have in some abstract way helped advance um isis and isis helped conduct the, the attack and so in, in, a, in a world in which we're all and everything is interconnected all acts touch on one another there's some butterfly effect anywhere But what helps limit secondary liability, one thing that helps limit secondary liability is that you're intentionally or knowingly, in this case, helping a person do something in the world.
10: I I, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think that principle — Perhaps we
8: should stop there.
10: Well, yes. (laughs) Justice Kavanaugh.
8: I just want to make sure I understand how you think this is different from a material support statute. So if you have a communications business or a financial business or a food business or a travel business and you serve lots of customers, uh, but you knowingly provide your services to a terrorist organization that you know is a terrorist organization.
10: Yes, that would be criminal liability. That's a very important distinction. Is that liability under this? Not, not under not under I
8: mean, I, again, that's what, I,
10: I, I'm, I, again, I would maybe want to know more about
8: what I— but That's what we have. Of- what we have is you know they're terrorists, picking up on Justice Kagan's hypothetical. You provide services, communications, food, travel to lots of people, and this one comes in, you know, I know this person is a terrorist. Uh, but I'm going to provide the same service, no favorable treatment, the same service to that person as to everyone else. Congress has passed statutes to get that kind of situation. The question is, is this statute getting at that situation? I, I
10: think ordinarily not. But and it,
8: why not? Be,
10: because it it's is the it,
8: phrase act, right?
10: It's the phrase act.
8: Or the and word act.
10: It, it's yeah. the word act, but it's also application of the frankly, common-sense factors or way of looking at it in Halberstam. It has to be substantial assistance to the act. Now, it, now why this,
8: is your answer to Justice Kagan's hypothetical that may be liability in that case? Is it because you could prove some suspicion that that terrorist was going to commit a particular act? Yeah, no, if you I, don't I, have that, then I don't understand your answer to No, no, to I, I took Kagan. that
10: to be uh, — maybe I misunderstood — I took that to be an important part of the uh, of her question, when she, when I said, "Do, do you have uh, an awareness or knowledge that that person has committed or is about to commit, or or something?" Well, so you know there are terrorists,
8: though. And let's go back to what I said. You know there are terrorists. So by that, there are a number of ISIS. They've been involved in past activities. Being like, well, I'm still going to give them food. Well, I'm still uh, going to have cell phone. I'm still going to uh, uh, rent a car.
10: There may be differences in the services. I mean. I, a restaurant serving somebody, I, I don't think you would regard that as
8: well, substanti- rental car.
10: Well, if, if he says, I, I need it, I need a car to get to the airport quick so that I can get to Istanbul, that,
8: I mean, that's well, okay.
10: But, 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 but again, the, the question is how much has the defendant willingly associated with himself or become a willing partner and been complicit. In what that person is doing, and I think it depends on both the nature of the assistance, what intent or state of, of mind you have. I think a restaurant is very different from offering somebody, you know, here's my cell phone so you can call your compatriot. I think those those are those are in, in common sense terms very different acts. I think that's, your,
8: under this statute, that has to be your position, but I've seen you've got to maintain a hard line there, and in response to some of the hypotheticals, I'm not sure you've maintained the hard well, line, which I, then swallows the whole principle. No, I, no.
10: I've I, I tried to maintain a hard, a hard, a hard line be, with respect to this service in particular, which is all the court has to decide. It's generally available, no favorable treatment. It's not face-to-face, which, in your example, is another very important uh, distinguishing characteristics. It's, it's an individualized uh, transaction where you, ha- you know who that person is by your... That's,
8: I, I don't want to prolong this, but that's very elusive. You know ISIS is using the organization. Some human being in the, in the defendant uh, company knows that ISIS, a group of individuals, is using this service to help recruit others to kill people. Then, you know that. I don't know why the face-to-face really changes Oh, oh I think it
10: changes it a lot. And, again, Halberstam, Halberstam talks about was the person present, which, as I said, I think is, in this context really means what is the, how remote or how proximate was the defendant's association with it. And if you, if you aid in something as generalized as, as recruiting, that would render these defendants culpable, responsible, complicit in every terrorist act. Okay. affecting, uh, affecting a, uh, a U.S. national thank, in thank the country. You.
0: Justice Barrett?
4: Mr. Needler, taking Justice Gorsuch's point about aid to the person in the statute, Justice Gorsuch was pointing out that the Dictionary Act treats juridical entities as persons. Would the government consider ISIS a juridical entity? Or if we're focusing on the person, would we have to be focusing on the people who actually carried out the attack?
10: I don't know if we would consider it to be a juridical person I, I think isis is a, is an identifiable of somewhat amorphous uh, entity entity, or, entity. but it 's important I, I think this is really uh, a misunderstanding a lot of the, uh, of the that that um, respondent has in some of the Miki on that side the The notion of an enterprise in Halberstam was not like some distinct entity that Sometimes enterprise is used that way. It was used there. The enterprise was a series of discrete
4: acts. I I, I understand, and I I agree with that reading of um, Halberstam actually. All right. Looking (laughs) — if we rule in favor of Twitter, and and I'm thinking about ways in which to do that if that's what we do, it seems to me — And well, tell me if you agree with this — one Thing to say would be to say that because you have to assist a person who commits the particular act of terrorism whether that person is ISIS or the particular individuals that carried out the attack there would have to be allegations in the complaint showing the use of the defendant's service of Twitter service to the end of the Paris attack, and not just general recruitment or radicalizing people, and that this complaint lacks those allegations, like using DMs or using comment threads on Twitter to actually coordinate the activities for the act. Would yes, that be I, one I, way to do it?
10: I, I think that is the distinction in this case. I mean, uh, again, if they knew about if they knew about a specific
4: but but account, but, but, but I'm, I'm, knowledge is a different thing. I, I, that's not what I'm I'm asking. If but,
10: but, but, but just Before the, you yes. even
4: get to knowledge, you have to say that there was the use of the service in the particular attack on the, on the government's view, right? You yes. have to link but, it up to the if, attack. If
10: you can do that. But for, for in this context, yes, for the use of these services because of the nature of these, of these but services. But in
4: the attack. I mean, I, I took the whole point to be in the point of agreement between you and Mr. Waxman that the statute refers not just generally to helping, as you were just saying, the enterprise, but to aiding and abetting the act of terrorism that injured the plaintiff. That's correct. So here, in order to state a claim, we would need to see in the complaint some allegations that Twitter was used to carry out this specific attack, not just generally used to build up ISIS and recruit. Yes. Okay. Another thing it seems like we could say is kind of To the colloquy we were having with both Justices Kavanaugh and Kagan, which is about a business that operates and it's open to all comers. That seems to go to knowledge, am I right?
10: I think it goes to knowledge, but also the… Substantial assistance. Substantial assistance, because it goes to how remote is it? Is it face-to-face? Some some companies open to all business uh, are are face-to-face. Some are not like this as So it could be a little
4: bit trickier, but an opinion to that effect might have to say something like, if the defendant is a business that's open to all comers, a page company, page net, or the phone service, or a bank, or Twitter, social media company, there has to be some allegation of, what, specific knowledge? Uh, uh, of-
10: s- specific knowledge, some specific action with respect to that particular person or that particular act. I want to be clear. I don't I don't want to be taken to be saying absolute rules for every situation. The, the points I'm making here about... But the, I
4: thought you said it would be helpful to give lower courts some way to dismiss these cases without wading into the facts. And it seems like the first thing I said, which was about linking up attacks, wouldn't serve that end. Because it sounds like you were saying that you thought it would be helpful to have a, a, a holding that uh, related to generally open businesses, am I right?
10: Uh, again, because of the banking example, a bank may hold itself out to be open to all comers, but in the in the context of conducting that business, they may have an individualized encounter. Some you don't just open account on, in most banks online or get a loan online. There's going to be some back and forth by which the bank will get to know something about. Uh, the person it's doing business with or know that that person is affiliated. Sure, with.
4: but that goes to the point of knowledge, right? You know. Well, it also
10: goes to the nature of the of of The nature service. of the
4: assistance. Yes. 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 So,
10: so here, the, the primary point I'm making here is about these businesses, which are open to the public on an automated way without, without any occasion or ability for an individualized Determination sure. About so it.
4: I wasn't suggesting that you were asking us to say any business that's generally open to the public can never be liable. But any business that's generally open to all commerce, absent some allegation of more specific knowledge or specific interaction, cannot be liable under JASTA.
10: Yes. And I, one other point I'd like to make. It, 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 I, I, I think it is possible, and as I think Ashley and uh, Kaplan uh, show, in that situation, it doesn't necessarily require that you know that a particular person is going to commit a particular act if you know because of the proximate relationship with the person you're you're assisting that there that they there are a group of acts that they are about to commit or that they are in, that, that they have an ongoing practice of committing you don't have to know the specific act uh, in that in in that situation that 's why I think it is it is context specific but this is banks open are what
4: you 're worried about banks is what the government is we are worried,
10: worried about, about and, that. And, the, and the cases some of them have been dismissed, and we think it 's important for them to be able to be dismissed, where you don 't have that the sort of knowledge or in, intent, the state of mind the uh, the, the things that go to whether this you want bank... want to make sure the
4: banks aren't automatically dismissed. You, like, you're trying to make sure that whatever we said about social media companies wouldn't get banks off the hook when they had those kinds of special relationships that you're talking
10: about. Yes. yes, special yes. relationships and knowledge. It's not just banks. There could be other institutions, charities or another one, charities both in their own right, in operating and problematic.
9: So I've been um, kind of going back in my mind to where I started with uh, Mr. Waxman in terms of separating out knowledge and substantial. And it um, in listening to you, it was very clear that you are putting a lot of stock in substantial. Um, and I was trying to figure out why that is. And I went back to Halberstam, and I'm looking at the opinion, and I'm n- noting now for the first time <laughs> that after uh, the court in, aiding, in the aiding and abetting section lists the three elements— Um, It very quickly disposes of them, uh, and in particular, with respect to the third element, it just says, the district court also justifiably inferred that Hamilton assisted Welsh with knowledge that he had engaged in illegal acquisition of goods. Then it goes on to say the only remaining issue then is whether her assistance was substantial. So all the factors and all the things you've been talking about are insubstantial. So it seems as though, at least per this opinion, the only real knowledge is of the kind that you're talking about with these banks if they have a personal relationship and they know that this, um, you know, person or somebody who's using their services is has engaged in illegal activity. Is that the government's
10: position? I I, I don't think it. I I think in Halberstam that was an easy line to draw because she was obviously intimately, integrally related, as the court said, in in what he did. I think there are situations, uh, but I don't think the court needs to reach it here because I think this case could be decided on the basis of substantial assistance applying the objective But factors. it seems like
9: substantial is harder Substantial is where all the six factors come in. I'm trying to say if we have a third that's knowledge and according to Halberstam, you know, if you don't even have a knowledge that he it was, you know, engaged in the illegal acquisition or was a gangster or was a, a terrorist in a way, that should be enough, right?
10: No, no, I'm sorry, I was taking the question to be about Halberstam itself Yes, if you don't have knowledge that the or that would that would even go into prong two if you don't have a general awareness.
9: No, you have a you might have a general awareness that uh, uh, Twitter or your services are being used in terrorist activities. Right. What you may not have, according to this, is knowledge that with respect to the attacks that the person is now accusing you of assisting, you were helping those pre- people who were involved in that act. Is that enough to get you out?
10: I I, I think you could look at it that way, yes, because of the attenuation. Knowledge, I I think knowledge would ordinarily entail some concrete or some immediate perception that what you're doing— but one
9: final question is just with respect to this notion um, that Justice Gorsuch brings up about the person. Um, I'm wondering whether the concern about that that I hear from both you and Mr. Waxman is— that if you're focusing on the person who committed such an act of international terrorism, which is what the statute says, that it seems to make the focus, take the focus away from the act itself. So that conceivably, um, if you separated out the clauses, aiding and abetting the person who committed such an act, it's almost like uh, Justice Kavanaugh's materiality uh, statute in the sense that you could, I guess, aid and abet a person who committed the act, even if it's not with respect to that act, because that's not what the statute seems to say. And so the reluctance, I think, is in focusing on the person in that way.
10: Yes, I, the, the, I, yeah. I think that's, I, th- that, that is fair to say. And even f- focusing on the organization. The organization is acting through an individual in the, in the commission uh, of the act. And the, the the criminal aiding and abetting statute Refers so, says that somebody uh, who commits a criminal act or aids and abets its commission, uh, referring to a specific criminal act. And here, the definition of of terrorist uh, uh, terrorist activity, I think it is, says it's activities that involve violent or dangerous
9: acts, acts. If that if are we don't criminal. And if we don't stay focused on the acts, then we get worried about Justice Alito's hypotheticals where you might be aiding and abetting a person who is engaging in certain things, but you aren't really assisting in those things with knowledge.
10: Right. It has to be... The, the act itself has to be culpable, which is why the definition of terrorism refers to acts that are punishable by the criminal law. And so wh- whether, whether you whether you focus on is it the person who committed the act or the commission of the act. I think in that sense it all comes to the same thing. Thank you, Mr. Needler.
11: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Um, I'm going to like to waive my two minutes of silence um, to move the process forward. Granted. Um, I hope you won't make me regret that. Um, and I'd like, to, um, uh, I'd like to respond to some of the questions that were asked um, earlier Um, I'll I'll try to do this in seniority order. Um, So I'd like to start with a question that you asked about uh, trying to understand what the government's position was and the multiple factors that were there. Um, I I think uh, that question really went to the heart of the difficulty with the government's position. Um, The the Halberstam factors, there are six of them. It's complicated. The government's uh, standard is much harder to understand. And that was brought home by the question, from Justice Kagan, about uh, banking services. Uh, It seemed clear as I read the magical few words on page 34 that banking services weren't covered, Uh, but then it turned out that they were. It's difficult to understand how we got there. Our view is that — and the government says there's a special nexus requirement. Our view is that once the statutory elements have been met on the Halberstam factors, the nexus is foreseeability — These other rules aren't there. Um, It's not as simple as you might have hoped. We still have the six factors, but it stops there. Now, Justice uh, Alito made the point earlier on, and we think this is very important, um, that Halberstam has, as as you put it, uh, I wish I had thought to say it as as well, essentially statutory status. The courts are directed uh, to use Halberstam. And that's been particularly important with regard to a number of the questions here, Uh, one of them being, whether the assistance has to go to assisting the particular act that, that harmed the plaintiff. The Halberstam facts fail that standard. And, and you may want to hold that, that in general, aiding and abetting requires assisting a particular act. And, and you may want to overrule Halberstam when it gets here. But Halberstam is the standard, and it says aiding and abetting an enterprise. And a number of the times— as uh, my friends articulated the standard they were asking the court to adopt, they would articulate a standard that would, be, that would, that would require you to, to con- conclude that Halberstam was wrongly decided. Um, Justice Kagan, um, you asked, and you frame this as a hypothetical, and I want to respond that it's not. You asked what would happen in a case far afield from this in which a defendant said they really weren't going to do much of anything at all even though no, they know that they were assisting terrorists. There's a factual dispute about this, but the contention in the complaint is that that was really going on, that this policy was just window dressing. The complaint specifically alleges that unless someone came to the, one of the defendants and identified a particular post that was from ISIS, they would not do anything. They wouldn't look for posts on their own,
9: Mr. Schnapper, I, you 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 want to cut to the chase, and I appreciate that. So let me ask you this: with respect to your claims yes. um, that Twitter knew about these things and it didn't do anything, how how do you survive um, Section Two Thirty? I mean, you were here yesterday, <laughs> and we sort of had a preview of your thoughts on this case, but also I thought a concession that that's sort of the heartland of a 230 issue in terms of immunity, the claim that here is this Internet platform and they have these terrorist um, uh, videos and things on their website and they don't take them down?
11: Well, I I frame my comment somewhat too generally. Um, Our position is that they continue to recommend things apace,
9: all right, so we're on recommendations.
11: Yeah, we're, and they continue to do that at pace, knowing, knowing what's, what's happening. And and so
9: why is the recommendation aiding and abetting? Why does it fit? So we're only looking at recommendations, not Twitter's, yes. In, yes. you know, take, not taking down things, because you concede that that would right. be a heartland uh, immunity issue. So the claims are recommendations related to various terrorist activities and with respect to that, can you just walk us through why you think that qualifies under Halberstam as aiding and abetting?
11: Well, the, um, uh, the aiding and abetting, the, the recommendation functions at issue here, potentially more broadly, because we have three different defendants in this case. There's only one petitioner. And so their practices would be varied. Um, but insofar as the recommendations were affirmatively calling the attention uh, of, of users to ISIS materials, um, that would — that would be extremely uh, valuable uh, to ISIS in recruiting more uh, fighters, um, which was — That the has force nothing to do to do with the off.
9: attack. So you say the att- this particular attack. They didn't have to have any knowledge or awareness or uh, assistance with respect to the particular attack.
11: That is precisely our position.
4: Mr. Schnapper, does your complaint contain any specific allegations about ways in which Twitter was used to perpetrate this attack, or is it? It's all it, it, as I read it. It's all about recruiting. Generally, the ways in which that's, Twitter was that's used. That's correct. To recruit it's generally. recruiting
11: and fundraising.
4: Okay. That, so that's nothing the about the Paris attack in particular. No.
11: Okay. No. That's that's the, that's where we part company.
8: Suppose with, that, um, uh, well go back to 1997, CNN did an interview of Osama bin Laden, a very famous interview uh, of him. Uh, Could, under your theory, uh, and that that interview became where he first-time declared war against the United States uh, to a Western audience, and uh, that interview became famous, tool for recruiting, notoriety. Uh, Could, under your theory, CNN have been sued for uh, aiding and abetting September 11th attacks?
11: I th- — I th- it would probably fail several elements, I think. Uh, which, general, which ones?
8: Well, I think general awareness of his role. Um, it, general — you don't think they were generally aware of his role when he declared war against the United States and said that, no, I, that, that I, seems — and, and that was known beforehand. That was the first time he did it to a Western audience.
11: The, the standard is — whether they would have necessarily understood the role that the, that the interview would play. But look, the First Amendment is going to well, solve uh, that. I'm sorry.
8: The First Amendment is going to solve that? And I, I think
11: the First Amendment would solve that problem.
8: Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But uh, the liability under this statute, but for that uh, there would be liability under the statute?
11: It's, it's difficult to see how it would get through the six elements of substantiality in terms of um, duration. It's one interview. In terms of um, nature of the assistance, which is just a, a television interview, um, the um, it, it w- there would I I, th- I think it I think it usually would not. Um, but but I think the First Amendment would would
8: be a different different tack. Just more generally, yes. I think you've heard um, Mr. Waxman and Mr. Needler talk about businesses that provide services uh, on an arm's-length basis to a variety, all comers and not on a favorable basis. Uh, so how uh, does that involve aiding and abetting a particular act when even though you know, okay, this person's a bank robber, this person's a terrorist, they use my uh, communication services or whatever else it may be, uh, you don't know they're going to use it for a particular act. So how do you, how do you uh, it- get around that? And then the implications of that, I think, that they raise are this would put a heavy burden on a wide variety of businesses to try to ferret out uh, more information about their customers to prevent liability under this kind of statute.
11: That's a lot of questions I'm not going to get to. I, I, well, I'll do the best I can. If, I, if it's not responsive, just tell me.
8: Yeah. Um, the general business, yes. uh, it's not connected to a specific act. Right. Why okay. liability? Okay. So,
11: uh, first of all, it's our position, I've said,
8: that the assistance
11: doesn't have to be connected to a specific act. Uh, nothing that um, uh, Hamilton did in Halberstam assisted any particular act. It was all after the fact. Um, With regard to it being a a general — That wasn't
8: the — I'm sorry to interrupt. That wasn't a business of the kind that I was hypothesized.
11: Yes, I understand that. I'm sorry if that wasn't responsive. Um, The fact that a defendant is a general business open to all comers uh, could be very relevant to knowledge. If someone just shows up and and, and wants to um, uh, um, rent a pager or buy a pager or whatever the technology — um, it's it's unlikely that, that the defendant's going to know that they're dealing with a terrorist. But there was a hypothetical: if they, you know, Osama bin Laden walks in and says, uh, "I'd like to buy a, a laptop with a, with a, um, the capacity to maybe a, 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 a cell, satellite cell phone," and I think they would they would know that this was going to be used for terrorist purposes. They wouldn't know the specific act. Our view is they don't have to know
8: that. Then how's it different from a material support statute, which are distinct language. Um, The material support statute is
11: both broader and narrower than aiding and abetting. First, the material support statute doesn't require a showing of general awareness of of the role that the support may be playing. Secondly, um, the um, aiding and abetting statute requires you to work your way through the six factors that we've been talking about, and that's not required under material support. Conversely, Aiding and abetting can include encouragement, and that would not be support, material support. So they're, they're just different. And I think Congress chose to use aiding and abetting rather than just strict liability for material support that causes harm because it wanted to use that more nuanced set of rules for aiding and abetting.
6: I mean, I, I would have thought that there's a simpler answer to how is the material support statute different, Is the material support statute says when Osama bin Laden walks in, you can't give him the money to buy a hospital either, right? It has just nothing. In other words, it says there are some people that even when you know it doesn't have anything to do with their terrorist activities, you can't support their non-terrorist activities. And that's what the whole theory of the material support statute was. It was to prevent people from giving money to Hamas to build houses.
11: I I amend my answer to include that point.
9: (laughs) What about this? What about this point? What about this point? Because I'm still a little confused about your uh, disclaiming that the support that is being given has to run to the act. So we have Osama bin Laden coming in to rent a satellite cell phone. You say the uh, sellers don't need to know that he will use the phone to commit a terrorist act. But I take it that you're also saying that he doesn't actually have to use the phone. To commit the terrorist act, he could still—they could still be on the hook for assisting him, even if he doesn't actually use the thing that they have provided in the act that injures your client, right? Uh, um, I'm sorry, that was no, very long-winded. No, the, I think the there, are, there are several questions. So we in the hypo yes, does yes. the cell phone that is sold to Os- yes. Os- Osama bin yes. Laden actually have to be used to commit the terrorist act? No. Why no. not?
11: Because. Providing him the cell phone aids, I mean, as a, as a piece of the answer. We, there are other elements. Uh, it counts because it, it aids the, the terrorist enterprise. That's the, that's the formula that we're advocating. He uses
4: it to make calls to other associates and to, to fundraise and that sort of thing. So he uses the phone for other things that are unconnected to the act, and you're saying that's enough. Yes. And, and but
9: would you have to allege that? Or could you just say, you so, I mean, does the complaint have to show, so let's say the complaint doesn't say he used it in the particular act, would you have to have allegations that the phone was used to call associates and other things, or is it just enough that, we, that you know Osama bin Laden is a terrorist and you allege that this phone was sold to him?
11: Um. <sighs> in terms of uh, in terms of what you need to prove you need it, but, but to answer in terms of ple- in, in terms of pleading, mm-hmm. rule nine requires pleading with particularity about fraud, not other things the general the courts have handed down a number of decisions in Leatherman and Swerkowitz uh, uh, disclaiming the notion that additional rules of particularity of pleading should be required. There are other procedural methods for, for, for um, uh, bringing all of that out, but the the general a trend in pleading since the abolition of the field code is not to require specific allegations of that sort. It might be deficient given the overall context.
4: But wouldn't Um, you still have to allege in Justice Jackson's hypothetical that he used the phone in furtherance of terrorist activities? I couldn't just say he sold him a cell phone and have that be enough.
11: You you would probably need to say that, although it would be fairly implicit in his name, Uh, but yes. But, but, sure, I think that would be the, that would be the better way to, uh, to plead it. Um, but if I could follow up on a question that you asked, um, one of the points the government officials have made in testimony, some of which we've quoted, um, is that of the overall cost of running a terrorist organization, the cost of a particular attack is a very small part. Uh, running terrorist organizations is very expensive. It involves fundraising. There are lots of salaries. There's travel. There's bribery. There's bribery. Uh, There's forging documents. Uh, That's why it's so important uh, that the court hold that the entire enterprise being aided matters. If you if you if you limit the aid that matters to the tip of the spear, you've you've written out of the statute almost all the assistance that matters, and you shouldn't do that. In our view,
0: counsel, I understand you to have abandoned the claim uh, against Google based on its failure to remove. Uh, ISIS material. Uh, But you haven't done that in this case with respect to Twitter? um,
11: We're not advancing that view. That's because of the procedural posture of the case, Mm -hmm. which is it wasn't decided on 230 grounds. It was decided on aiding and abetting grounds. The 230 issue uh, was then remanded. We just never got there. So it just hasn't come up. But but we would not be advancing that argument uh, on remand, to be clear.
0: Okay.
5: What argument are you advancing? Meaning, what's the aiding and abetting if it's not the failure to remove?
11: The the aiding and abetting would be the various recommendation functions uh, that we talked about yesterday. They're they're different for different entities, Um, but but the distinction between affirmatively recommending as opposed to just posting, we think that's the distinction that the statute draws. Um, I I think I owe you a few more answers. Um, Justice Gorsuch, um, uh, you um, asked whether the, uh, the answer to the uh, uh, case could be found in uh, treating the word uh, person as referring only to the individuals. Um, and, and we think the answer to that is no. The, the purpose of you know, invoking the Dictionary Act was to make it clear um, that a terrorist organization could be uh, the person who— would be covered by the statute. And, and I should note that um, the, that's the statute itself, before we get to those last words, talks about one of the, one of the premise acts that has to have occurred is um, authorization, planning, or committing the act by a terrorist group. This is a, an act that was committed by the terrorist group. They didn't have a passing role. They selected Masaripov. They sent him to Istanbul. They told him to wait as a sleeper agent they apparently supported him while he was there. Somebody brought him a gun and stun grenades. Um, and then uh, the, the evening of the attack, a few days before the attack, he was told the attack's going to be on New Year's Eve. And there was communication back and forth.
3: They were, Mr. Schnapper, uh, if yeah. I might, um, yes. since you raised that point, um, you know, the statute, again, I, I do think focuses our attention on who aids and abets the person. Who committed such an act of international terrorism but it doesn't it doesn't just focus on the person though that's helpful and it narrows things it also says he must knowingly provide substantial assistance so it, ha- it does two things it focuses on the person and it focuses on the mens rea and then it focuses on the actus reus about substantial assistance so I see all three of those things not just the person but all three of those things in the statute and again I'm just struggling with how, how your, your complaint lines up with those three requirements in the statute.
11: Uh, thank you. Um, let me begin by uh, responding to a point you made earlier because it's relevant here when you expressed the hope that one could put aside this complicated formula in Halberstam and just use the text of the statute. Um, as we turn to the issue of what does knowing mean and what does substantial assistance mean, that's where we need to go to Halberstam, and it's a complicated assessment. And so in terms of substantial assistance, um, one would need to walk through uh, each of the six elements on the Halberstam list uh, and assess them in individually. Uh, and, and I could walk you through that in in this case in terms of what we think the facts are. But I think you're just asking about the methodology, and that's we, what we believe that the correct methodology to be.
8: What What do you say to the argument about the charitable and humanitarian organizations. So I think one of the arguments that the, uh, is pointed out by uh, Mr. Waxman and Mr. Needler in some of the amicus briefs is that humanitarian and charitable organizations are going to be caught up in this. And I think one of the background points about aiding and abetting liability is it's not moral complicity is different from legal liability. There might be moral complicity without necessarily legal liability when we want to have fair notice Uh, for uh, major sanctions, civil or criminal, and that fair notice for these humanitarian organizations is not present under your theory, and they could be swept up in that. That's at least the statement on the other side, which uh, appears sincere to me from the amicus briefs. So how do you respond to that? Uh,
11: First of all, let me say I take all the representations in the amicus briefs
8: to be sincere. Um, the,
11: the, the specific elements of the statute will normally protect a charitable organization. So let's start with the requirement of knowledge and, and look at the, the type of knowledge alleged in this case. Um, it, if, let, let me just take a, let's assume a hypothetical um, uh, a charitable organization. And first, there are reports on four networks that they're providing assistance to uh, ISIS. And then there are reports um, — in all the major newspapers in the United States that that's happening. And then there comes a time, and the complaint alleges this happened, in which the attorney general, the director of the FBI, the director of national intelligence, and the White House chief of staff meet with the officials of the the NGO and tell them they're asserting ISIS, they're assisting ISIS. That would satisfy knowledge. And uh, those are obviously extreme facts, and, and it would be appropriate uh, in in assessing these cases, uh, to consider the kinds of circumstances that NGOs would face, um, and I think it's very relevant um, to um, to, the, to the state of mind issue. Um, the the uh, our view is that the state of mind here is highly culpable, and and when I would use the language I've forgotten who used it earlier of, of willful blindness. And and I again I say um, there's a factual dispute about what's happening, um, but our contention is that the policy was not to look at all. And there's a in, — in the brief of the uh, Concerned Women for America, there's an extraordinary quote from Twitter, and it, and it was made three months after two Americans were executed by ISIS. And when asked why Twitter wasn't taking down ISIS materials, the comment was, well, one man's uh, terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Now, I think if, an, if a charitable organization — had that knowledge and had that attitude, they should be held liable.
9: Can I just ask you, Mr. Schnapper, uh, before we run out of time, I I guess I don't know why Halberstam helps your argument that it's enough to support the enterprise. I know that they use the word enterprise, but when you look at the actual case, they're talking about the criminal enterprise. It wasn't as though she was um, assisting Welsh or whatever the name of the guy was, with, you know, laundry and children and, you know, child support, and she was helping him to raise money for some other thing. That would have been supporting the enterprise, but she was actually engaged in conduct that supported the criminal activity. And yet you seem to be arguing that looking at that case, it would be enough for Um, you know, the cell phone to be sold to Osama bin Laden and with some knowledge that it might be used generally uh, by his, uh, himself or his compatriots, as opposed to, you know, this is actually going to be involved in a terrorist attack, which is the kind of thing that was going on in Halberstam. So can you clear up
11: Yes. Um, so the the word Halberstam, the word enterprise in Halberstam, is used to refer to a, a wrongful enterprise it, it's because its proceeding as a tort case, um, and but and but not to refer to other kinds of assistance. The court draws that distinction. Uh, we we would make that distinction here. That is to say, um, if uh, that, that insofar as social media, bearing in mind the recommendation qualification here, uh, is assisting. Uh, ISIS in its terrorist enterprise, that's what's covered. Um, the, uh, and and, and, and that's, the, that's the claim we're making here. So I think— but I don't understand.
9: I, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't in the Welsh case, you know, her taking care of his children be assisting him so that he doesn't have to be at home at night? He's actually out committing robberies. She would be assisting his, you know, illegal activities— But I understood that what made her liable in this situation is that the assistance that she was providing was, uh, you know, assistance that was directly aimed at the criminal activity. It was not sort of this indirect um, supporting him so that he can actually engage in the criminal uh, activity.
11: Um. I'm not entirely sure where I'm disagreeing with you, but but let me see if this, this is helpful. I'm not sure it will be. Um, the, the, the assistant she was playing was not in the commission of any of the burglaries. Her role was in helping to sell the loot and keeping the books, the books are apparently kept in a perfectly straightforward way. There was nothing unusual about it, except there are no expenses. Right. For that's, the the,
9: that's the essence of aiding and abetting. Right. All right. So we know she wasn't a principal. She wasn't actually committing yes. the robbers right. robbery. She was an aider and abetter. The question is, what does your aid have to go to? And they seem to be saying your aid has to go to the act that is the thing that injures the plaintiff, right, the Reina attack. You seem to be saying that the aid has to go to or can go to the larger set of activities, illegal terrorist activities, but not necessarily the act. And I, I don't know that Halberstam helps you as much as you may think, because she was in that case aiding in the act of the burglaries that, you know, injured the people whose money and things were stolen.
11: Um, I, I wouldn't characterize what happened that way, but, but I, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned that this is going to seem semantic. She was not—she didn't do anything to assist the commission of a burglary. Her role was only after the fact— I think we may
9: disagree. I mean, that's why she was an aider and a better. She wasn't a principal um, right. She, did, she didn't assist the burglaries in that sense. But she assisted them insofar as she, as Mr. Waxman said, took the stuff— Wrote up inventories. I mean, she was assisting the burglars,
11: right? Again, I risk. I'm not, I'm not feeling on this is responsive. Um, no, no act that occurred uh, by uh, by Welch was aided by anything she did. He was not better able to do any of it. And to go back to the issue of principle, I mean, um, the um, if if she had said, uh, "I'll buy you some new burglary tools." Or how about picking the Halberstam case House tomorrow? I think they've got a lot of money. Or how that about would...
9: when you bring the loot home, I'll write down the, uh, the things that you have and make sure that it's all recorded properly so that we know what you brought home.
11: It, it's helpful to the enterprise, but it doesn't, it doesn't make him better able to commit the burglary. And I think that's the distinction they're trying to advance. The Court has no further questions?
0: Uh, Justice Thomas?
2: In paragraph 30 of your uh, first amended complaint, uh, you say plaintiff's uh, claims are based not upon the content of ISIS's social media postings, but upon defendant's uh, provision of the infrastructure which uh, provides material support to ISIS. What does that mean?
11: Well... Um, I don't think this, when this is written, it's part, trying to parse out the distinction we're now making in terms of the role. But I think the, the thrust of that of that uh, was to be that um, insofar as an assertion was being made against the social media companies is that they were helping to propagate that content. The argument is we're not trying to hold you liable merely because there's content there, but because you helped to propagate it. Now, now we would draw a more fine distinction, but... But I think that's the the thrust of that
2: paragraph. So you're not pointing to — the thrust that I understand is that you're not pointing to specific instances of this. You're just a general idea that they're using the service uh, to their their advantage, to ISIS's advantage.
11: Um, Yes. Let me give you a more fulsome answer to that. One of the arguments that the defendant makes is it's not enough to allege that uh, there were fifty or seventy or ninety thousand ISIS accounts, you have to name some. Mm-hmm. We do not think that the federal rules of civil procedure require that. Indeed, the whole gravamen of the problem here was that it was possible to identify tens of thousands of these, um, and they weren't doing. But but they weren't using that capacity. There was one instance in which uh, uh, the uh, hacker group Anonymous took down several thousand ISIS accounts at Twitter. Now, the the complaint doesn't name — doesn't give you the URLs of the accounts, but I don't think the federal rules required that. The the allegation isn't any less plausible because it doesn't name URLs.
2: But on the — but does it also mean uh, the fact that you are focused on the infrastructure rather than specific uh, conduct or specific accounts, does that also mean that uh, uh, Twitter could be — how live Twitter is an aider and a better in every terrorist act, terrorist act.
11: Um, that's, that's, a, a, that's a somewhat different question. So me, let me address Well,
2: that. I think the reason I'm asking is if we're not pinpointing cause and effect or proximate cause for specific things, then in your focus on infrastructure or just the availability of of, of, of these platforms, then it would seem that Every uh, terrorist act that uses this platform would also mean that Twitter is a, an aider and a-better in those instances?
11: I think, as you phrase it, they answered probably yes, and they would agree the way you phrased it. Let me phrase it deliberately, because I understand the point you're trying to make. Um, I, I think their view is if — as to any — if in every single instance in which you could point to ISIS using Twitter to commit the attack, would they be liable? I think my, my friend would say yes. We're advancing a different argument, and I think this is the thrust of where your, your concern is, is directed, uh, which is that uh, if our claim is based on providing a generalized assistance to the terrorist enterprise, well, where does that end? Um, and I, let me say that that's not a question that arises merely under our standard, it arises under the government standard because the government's formula on page 34 includes um, channeling, directly channeling substantial amounts of money to ISIS, and the exact same problem would arise there. Uh, we think that um, the appropriate way of addressing that situation um, is to uh, uh, understand the remoteness issue in standard in Halberstam to refer not merely to remoteness um, in, in space, but to remoteness in time. Um, and that would have been true in in the Halberstam case. Um, if, if there came a point when uh, 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 Hamilton stopped doing the books, let's say Quicken came along and Welch wasn't using her assistance anymore, uh, there would come a point when it had been too long since she was playing much of a role and she would no longer be liable. So we, we, would, we would suggest that the standard include remoteness and time weighed together with the volume of activity and uh, that that would address that problem, and, and we would suggest if you use some variant of the government standard, you you include that there as well because it presents a problem.
7: Justice Alito, well, let's say that um, a particular uh, person is known in a particular city to be a member of a gang that carries out uh, carries out crimes, uh, not charged. Uh, hasn't they? Haven't, prosecution hasn't been able to amass enough. Proof for a criminal charge, but it's pretty well known, suspected, that that's what this person is doing. The chief of police from the town (coughs) goes to uh, the the cell phone provider and says, look, uh, this gang uses cell phones in carrying out their crimes, cut off their service, goes to the internet service provider and says that sometimes they use emails, cut off the email, Uh, goes to the Car dealers and, and repair shops, and says they use cars don 't fix their cars, goes to all the gas stations and says don 't sell them gas on Wednesday evening the The gang gets together and they always order in meals from a particular place they go there they say don 't feed them food are they are they, uh, have they aided and embedded the crimes that this gang uh, commits I, th- I think it's probably—the
11: answer is probably going to depend on the nature of the of material. So, unfortunately, this is difficult. But if, let's say that the first person on our list is a gun dealer. And the gun dealer is told, this person is—we is, uh, we think this person is a, 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 an assassin, um, and he's looking for weapons. Um, and, they, and, uh, and they sell him a, a gun. They, that, that might be aiding and banning. Uh, at the far end of things, uh, take out Chinese food. No, it's not really connected, particularly to the to the offense. I I think this is a difficult question, but but clearly, at one end of the spectrum, if you sell guns, this goes back to uh, Justice Thomas's question: Uh, If you provide a gun to someone who you know is a murderer, I think you could be held liable for uh, aiding and abetting. Um.
0: Justice Sotomayor. Justice Kagan. Justice Gorsuch. No, thank you. Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Barrett, Justice Jackson. Thank, thank you, you very much. Uh, three minutes for rebuttal, Mr. Waxman.
1: Thank you. So, guns and banks is what seems to be, you know, most of the hypotheticals here. And I, I want to go to to Justice Kagan's question about the bank and know your customer and what your customer is doing. But I'm going to start because there are special know your customer rules involving banks. I want to start with guns and the, the, the point that my friend just brought up about somebody walks into a gun store and says, I hate my wife. Please sell me a Glock. I'm going to kill my wife. Please sell me a Glock. Obviously, <laughs> he takes the Glock. If he buys the Glock and never kills his wife, there's no aiding and abetting any crime. If he buys the gun and kills his wife, there obviously is Walmart is the largest gun dealer, I believe, in the United States. They know for a certainty that some of the people that buy guns are criminals. Some of them are drug gangs. Some of them are terrorists. Nobody would say, but they don't know anybody in particular. They know that they're there. There's been a newspaper report. The State Department has issued a pronouncement. Nobody would say that they are aiding and abetting particular crimes that happened to be committed by somebody who bought a gun at Walmart. Now in the bank example, I think the key point, as I understood it at, at least, Justice Kagan, between your colloquy with with my friend Mr. Needler was somebody comes into the bank and and the either comes in or comes in online or by Zoom. The banker knows this guy is a terrorist. That is, a terrorist in the sense that this person commits acts of international terrorism. And the guy says, love the checking account services you've provided me. I've got a cash flow issue with the thing that I do. Please lend me a million dollars, okay? That's a case in which certainly you would survive a motion to dismiss on the notion that you know this guy commits acts of international terrorism. He has asked you for what he says he needs to, quote, keep doing his thing. That is materially different than a situation in which the bank has 100,000 customers. It knows to a certainty that some of its customers are terrorists. And they are making use of the, the general services that a bank provides. Maybe it's a bank that does business in the Middle East. They are not aiding and abetting an act of terrorism that that bank occurs. Now, according to my friend today, he says, well, this case isn't about the failure to do better at taking things down. This is about recommendations. There are 545 paragraphs in this complaint, and there are four that mention recommendations, each one of which is essentially the sort of neutral algorithm that was talked about before. I see I've come to the end of my sentence.
0: Thank you, counsel. The case is submitted.